Section 8 of Japanese Girls and Women. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Neil Dudman. Japanese Girls and Women by Alice M. Bacon. Old Age. No Japanese woman is ashamed to show that she is getting along in years but all take pains that every detail of the dress and coiffure shall show the full age of the wearer. The baby girl is dressed in the brightest of colours and the largest of patterns, and looks like a gay butterfly or tropical bird. As she grows older, colours become quieter, figures smaller, stripes narrower, until in old age she becomes a little grey moth or plain coloured sparrow. By the sophisticated eye, a woman's age can be told with considerable accuracy by various little things about her costume, and no woman cares to appear younger than her real age, or hesitates to tell with entire frankness the number of years that have passed over her head. Footnote. Children wear their hair on top of their heads, while very young, and the manner of arranging it is one of the distinctive marks of the age of the child. The marumanger, the style of headdress of married ladies, consisting of a large puff of hair on the top of their head, diminishes in size with the age of the wearer until, at sixty or seventy, it is not more than a few inches in width. The number, size and variety of ornamental hairpins and the tortoise-shell comb worn in front all vary with the age. End footnote. The reasons for this lies, at least in part, in the fact that every woman looks forward to the period of old age as a time when she will attain freedom from her lifelong service to those about her, will be in the position of advisor of her sons and director of her daughters-in-law, will be a person of much consideration in the family, privileged to amuse herself in various ways, to speak her own mind on most subjects, and to be waited upon and cared for by children and grandchildren, in return for her long years of faithful service in the household. Should her sight and other bodily powers remain good, she will doubtless perform many light tasks for the general good, will seldom sit idle by herself, but will help about the sewing and mending, the marketing and shopping, housework and the care of babies, tell stories to her grandchildren after their lessons are learned, give the benefit of her years of experience to the young people who are still bearing the heat and burden of the day, and by her prayers and visits to the temple at state seasons will secure favour of the gods for the whole family, as well as make her own preparations for entry into the great unknown toward which she is rapidly drifting. Is there wonder that the young wife steering her course with difficulty among the many shoals and whirlpools of early married life looks forward with anticipation to the good period of comparative rest and security that comes at the end of the voyage? As she bears all things, endures all things, suffers long and is kind as she serves her mother-in-law, manages her husband's household, cares for her babies, the fault that cheers and encourages her in her busy and not too happy life is a fault of the sunny calm of old age, when she can lay her burdens and cares on younger shoulders and bask in the warmth and sunshine which this Indian summer of her life will bring to her. In the code of morals of the Japanese, obedience to father, husband or son is exalted into the chiefly womanly virtue, but the obedience and respect of children, both male and female, to their parents also occupies a prominent position in their ethical system. 
Hence, in this later stage of a woman's career, the obedience expected of her is often only nominal, and in any case is not so absolute and unquestioning as that of the earlier period, and the consideration and respect that a son is bound to show to his mother necessitates a care of her comfort, and a consultation of her wishes, that renders her position one of much greater freedom than can be attained by any woman earlier in life. She has, besides, reached an age when she is not expected to remain at home, and she may go out into the streets, to the theatre, or other shows, without the least restraint, or fear of losing her dignity. A Japanese woman loses her beauty early. At thirty-five, her fresh colour is usually entirely gone. Her eyes have begun to sink a little in their sockets. Her youthful roundness and symmetry of figure have given place to an absolute leanness. Her abundant black hair has grown thin, and much care and anxiety have given her face a pathetic expression of quiet endurance. One seldom sees a face that indicates a sour temper or a cross disposition, but the lines that show themselves as the years go by are lines that indicate suffering and disappointment, patiently and sweetly borne. The lips never forget to smile, the voice remains always cheerful and sympathetic, never grows peevish and worried, as is often the case with the overworked or disappointed women in this country, but youth with its hopeful outlook, its plans and its ambitions give way to age with its peaceful waiting for the end, with only a brief struggle for its place, and the woman of thirty-five is just at the point when she has bid goodbye to her youth and having little to hope for in her middle life is doing her work faithfully and looking forward to an old age of privilege and authority the mistress of her son's house and the ruler of the little domain of home but i have spoken so far only of those happy women whose sons grow to maturity and who manage to evade the dangerous reefs of divorce upon which so many lives are shipwrecked what happens of the hundreds who have no children to rise up and call them blessed, but who have an old age to live as dependents upon their brothers or nephews? Even these, who in this country often lead hard and unrewarded lives of toil among their happier relatives, find in old age a pleasanter lot than that of youth. Many such old ladies I have met whose short hair or shaven heads proclaim to all who see them that sorrow of widowhood has taken from them the joy that falls to other women, but whose cheerful, wrinkled faces and happy, childlike ways have given one a feeling of pleasure that the sorrow is past, and peace and rest have come to their declining years, fulfilling what little household tasks they can, respected and self-respecting members of the household, the O-Ba-San, or auntie, is not far removed in the honour and affection of children from the Obar-san or grandma, but both alike find a peaceful shelter in the home of those nearest and dearest to them. One of the happiest old ladies I have ever seen was one who had had a rough and stormy life. The mother of many children, most of whom had died in infancy, she was at last left childless and a widow. In her children's death the last tie that bound her to her husband's family was broken, and, rather than be a burden to them, she made her home for many years with her own younger brother, taking up again the many cares and duties of a mother's life in sharing with the mother the bringing up of a large family of children. One by one, from the oldest to the youngest, each has learned to love the old auntie, to be lulled asleep on her back, and to go to her in trouble when the mother's hands were too full of work. Many the caresses received, 
the drives and walks enjoyed in her company, the toys and candles that came out unexpectedly from the depths of mysterious drawers to comfort many an hour of childish grief. That was years ago, and the old auntie's hard times are nearly over. Hale and hearty at threescore years and ten, she has seen these children grow up one by one. Until now, some have gone to new homes of their own. Her bent form and wrinkled face are ever welcome to her children. Hers by the right of years of patient care and toil for them. They now, in their turn, enjoy giving her pleasure, and return to her all the love she has lavished upon them. It is a joy to see her childlike pride in confidence in them all, and to know that they have filled the place left vacant by the dead with whom had died all her hopes of earthly happiness. The old women of Japan, how their withered faces, bent frames and shrunken yellow hands abide in one's memory, one seldom sees among them what we would call beauty, for the almost universal shrinking with age that takes place among the Japanese covers the face with multitudinous wrinkles and produces the effect of a wizard russet apple. For the skin, which in youth is usually brightened by red cheeks and glossy black hair, in old age, when colour leaves cheek and hair, has a curiously yellow and parchment-like look, but with all that wrinkles and ugliness, there is a peculiar charm about the old woman of Japan. In Tokyo, when the grass grows long upon your lawn, and you send to the gardener to come and cut it, no boy with patent lawnmower, nor stalwart countryman with scythe and sickle answers your summons, but some morning you awake to find your lawn covered with old women. The much-washed cotton garments are faded to light blue, the exact match of the light blue cotton towels in which their heads are swathed, and on hands and knees, each armed with an enormous pair of shears, the old ladies clip and chatter cheerfully all day long, until the lawn is as smooth as velvet under their careful cutting. An occasional rest under a tree, for pipes and tea, is a time for much cheerful talk and gossip, but the work, though done slowly and with due attention to the comfort of the worker, is well done, and certainly accomplished as rapidly as any one could expect of labourers who earn only from eight to twelve cents a day. Another employment for this same class of labourers is the picking of moss and grass from the crevices of the great walls that enclose the moats and embankments of the capital. Mounted on little ladders, they pick and scrape with knives until the wall is clear and fresh, with no insidious growth to push the great uncemented stones out of their places. In contrast with these humble but cheerful toilers may be mentioned another class of women, often met with in great cities, dressed in rags and with covered heads and faces, they wander about the streets playing the samisen outside the lattice windows and singing with cracked voices some wailing melody. As they go from house to house, gaining a miserable pittance by their weird music, they seem the embodiment of all that is hopeless and broken-hearted. What they are, or whence they come, I know not, but they always remind me of the grasshoppers in the fable, who danced and sang through the brief summer to come, wailing and wretched, seeking aid from her thriftier neighbour, when at last the winter closed in upon her. As one rides about the streets, one often sees a little, white-haired old lady trotting about with a yoke over her shoulders, from which are suspended two swinging buckets filled with fresh vegetables. The fact that her hair is still growing to its natural length shows that she is still a wife, not a widow. Her worn and patched blue cotton clothes, bleached light from much washing, show that extreme poverty is her lot in life, 
and as she hobbles along with the gait peculiar to those who carry a yoke my thoughts are busy with her home which though poor and small is doubtless clean and comfortable but my eyes follow her through the city's crowd where labourer soldier student and high official jostle each other by the way suddenly i see her pause before the gateway of a temple she sets her burden down and there in the midst of the bustling throng with bowed head folded hands and moving lips she invokes her god snatching the moment from her busy life to seek a blessing for herself and her dear ones the throng moves busily on making a little eddy around the burden that she has laid down but paying no heed to the devout little figure standing there then in a moment the prayer is finished she stoops picks up her yoke balances it on her shoulders and moves on with the crowd to do her share while her strength lasts and to be cared for tenderly i doubt not by children and children's children when her work is done another picture comes to me too a picture of one whose memory is an inspiring thought to the many who have the honour to call her mother a stately old lady left a widow many years ago before the recent changes had wrought havoc preparatory to the further progress she seemed always to me the model of a mother of the old school herself a woman of thorough classical education her example and teaching were to both sons and daughters a constant inspiration and in her old age she found herself the honoured head of a family well known in the arts of war and peace a godly company of sons and daughters every one of them heirs of her spirit and of her intellect though conservative herself and always clinging to the old customs she put no block in the path of her children's progress and her fine character heroic spirit and staunch loyalty to what she believed were worth more to her children than anything else she could have been tried by war by siege by banishment by danger and sufferings of all kinds to her was given at last old age a prosperity among children of whom she might well be proud keeping her physical vigour to the end and dying at last after an illness of only two days her spirit passed out into the great unknown ready to meet its dangers as bravely as she had met those of earth or to enjoy its rest as sweetly and appreciatively as she had enjoyed that of her old age in the house of her oldest son my acquaintance with her was limited by our lack of common language but was a most admiring and appreciative one on my side and if i esteem it one of the chief honours of my day in japan that upon my last meeting with her two weeks before her death she gave me her wrinkled but still beautiful and delicately shaped hand at parting a deference to foreign customs that she only paid upon special occasions Two weeks later, amid such rain as Japanese skies know all too well how to let fall, I attended her funeral at the cemetery of Aoyama. The cemetery chapel was crowded, but a place was reserved for me on account of special ties that bound me to the family, just behind the long line of white-robed mourners. In the Buddhist faith she has lived, and by the Buddhist ceremonies she was buried, the chanted ritual the generously robed priests and the heavy smell of incense in the air reminded one of a roman catholic ceremony the white wooden coffin was placed upon a bier at the entrance to the chapel and when the priests had done their work and the ecclesiastic ceremony was over the relatives arose one by one walking over to the coffin bowed low before it and placed a grain of incense upon the little censer that stood on a table before the bier then bowing again retired to their places 
slowly and solemnly from the tall soldier son his hair already streaked with grey to the two-year-old grandchild all paid his last token of respect to a noble spirit and after the relatives the guests each in order of rank or nearness to the deceased stepped forward and performed the same ceremony before leaving the room what the meaning of the rite was i did not know whether a worship of strange gods or no but to me as i performed the act it only signified the honour in which i held the memory of a heroic woman who had done well her part in the world according to the light that god had given her japanese art loves to picture the old woman with a kindly wrinkled face leaving out no wrinkle of them all but giving with equal truthfulness the charm of expression that one finds in them long life is desired by all as passionately as by ancient hebrew poets and psalmists and with good reason for only by long life can a woman attain the greatest honour and happiness we often exclaim in impatience at the fault of the weakness and dependence of old age and pray that we may die in the fullness of our powers before the decay of advancing years has made us a burden upon our friends but in japan dependence is the lot of woman and the dependence of old age is that which is most respected and considered an aged parent is never a burden is treated by all with greatest love and tenderness and if times are hard and food and other comforts are scarce the children as a matter of course deprive themselves and their children to give ungrudgingly to their old father and mother faults there are many in the japanese social system but ingratitude to parents or disrespect to the aged must not be named among them and young america may learn a salutary lesson by the study of the place that old people occupy in the home it is not only for the women of japan but for the men as well that old age is a time of peace and happiness when a man reaches the age of fifty or thereabouts often while apparently in the height of his rigour he gives up his work or business and retires leaving all the property and income to the care of his eldest son upon whom he becomes entirely dependent for his support footnote it is this custom of going into early retirement that made it possible for the nobles in old times to keep the emperor always a child the ruling emperor would be induced to retire from the throne at the age of sixteen or twenty thus making room for some baby who would be in his turn the puppet of his ambitious courtiers this support is never begrudged him for the care of parents by their children is as much a matter of course in japan as the care of children by those who give them birth a man thus rarely makes provisions for the future and looks with scorn on foreign customs which seem to betoken a fear lest in old age ungrateful children may neglect their parents and cast them aside the feeling so strong in america that dependence is of itself irksome and a thing to be dreaded is altogether strange to the japanese mind the married son does not care to take his wife to a new and independent home of his own and to support her and her children by his own labour or on his own income but he takes her to his father's home and thinks it no shame that his family live upon his parents but in return when the parents wish to retire from active life the son takes it upon himself ungrudgingly the burden of their support and the breed of dependence is never bitter to the parents lips for it is given freely to the time-honoured european belief that a young man must be independent and enterprising in early life in order to lay by for old age the japanese will answer that children in japan are taught to love their parents rather than ease and luxury 
and that care for the future is not the necessity that it is in Europe and America, where money is above everything else, even five-field love. This habit of thought may account for the utter want of provision for the future and the disregard for things pertaining to the accumulation of wealth, which often strikes curiously the foreigner in Japan. A Japanese considers his provision for the future made when he has brought up and educated for usefulness a large family of children. He invests his capital in their support and education, secure of bountiful returns in their gratitude and care for his old age. It is hard for the men of old Japan to understand the rush and struggle for riches in America, a struggle that too often leaves not a pause for rest or quiet pleasure until sickness or death overtakes the indefatigable. The Go Inkyo of Japan is glad enough to lay down early in life the cares of the world, to have a few years of calm and peace, undisturbed by responsibility or cares for outside matters. Footnote. Go Inkyo Summer is a title belonging to a retired old gentleman or old lady. Inkyo is the name of the house or suite of rooms set apart for such a person, and the title itself made up of this word with the Chinese honorific Go and the title Sama, the same as San, used in addressing all persons except inferiors. End footnote. If he be an artist or a poet, he may, uninterrupted, spend his days with his beloved art. If he is fond of the ceremonial tea, he has whole afternoons that he may devote to his aesthetic repast. And even if he has none of these higher tastes, he will always have congenial friends who are ready to share the Saka bottle, to join in a quiet smoke over the hibachi, or to play the deep engrossing game of Go or Shogi, the Japanese chess. To the Japanese mind, to be in the company of a few kindred souls, to spend the long hours of the summer's afternoon at the ceremonial tea party, sipping tea and conversing in a leisurely manner on various subjects, is an enjoyment second to none. A cultivated Japanese of the old times must receive an education fitting him, especially for such pursuits. At these meetings of friends, artistically or poetically inclined, the time is spent in making poems and exchanging witty turns sentiments, to be read, commented on, and responded to, or in the making of drawings with a few bold strokes of the brush, in illustrations of some subject given out. Such enjoyments as these, the Japanese believe, cannot be appreciated or even understood by the practical, rush-ahead American, the product of the wonderful but material civilization of the West. Thus, amid enjoyments and easy labors suited to their closing years, the older couple spend their days with the young people, cared for and protected by them. Sometimes there will be a separate suite of rooms provided for them, sometimes a little house away from the noises of the household, and separated from the main building by a well-kept little garden. In any case, as long as they live, they will spend their days in quiet and peace, and it is to this haven, the Inkyo, that all Japanese look forward. As to the time when they may carry out their own inclinations and tastes, with an income provided for the rest of their days. Note. Something, indeed, may be said on the other side in regard to this system, which I seem to have painted as ideal. If in America we find the burden of expensive grown-up sons and daughters sometimes too heavy upon parents, whose powers are on the wane, we must remember that in Japan a young man is often seriously handicapped at the beginning of his active life by the early retirement of his father from self-supporting labour, and that the young wife entering the home of the parents-in-law 
often finds a happy married life rendered impossible by the fact that she must please an elderly couple thoroughly fixed in their ways the rulers of the household with little to do but rule with this custom as with all human customs everything in the long run depends upon how it is used and without deep affection between parents and children there seems to be as much danger from the serious handicapping of the rising generation by selfish and inconsiderable parents in japan as there is in america of the wearing out of the older people's lives and strength in the service of ungrateful and lazy children end of old age recording by neil dudman